For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six and verse number one is we'll be at today as we are going through the book of Corinthians. As you know, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to handle some matters within the church that were not right. And so this is a great thing for us to look into, not only about the church, but our own life, our own self. Amen. Because nothing's going to be right until you fix your own self. And it's so much easier when you take care of it yourself instead of God having to intervene and humble you or get it right for you. It's much, much better if you will get it right and take care of it yourself. Amen. So look with me now in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll start in verse number 1. The Bible says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Paul here is writing to the church with the expression he's kind of maybe in shock or surprise that, that think of a brother in Christ would go to take a matter before the unsaved, before the unrighteous, that they may make a, a good judgment in between two fellow brothers in Christ? Paul's saying, what, why would you do that? It's kind of inconsistent for the righteous to go before the unrighteous and ask for a just judgment, is it not? Is there, shouldn't you find someone within the church? Shouldn't you go to the pastor and say, hey, we have a matter of dispute or a problem. Could you help us? Could you intervene? Why would Christians that want justice go outside of God's people to look for justice for people that have none to give, that have no mercy to give? Paul says, don't do that. And here's the thing. It goes I believe much bigger than just somebody within your church. It covers the body of Christ, most certainly, because if a person is born again, if they're saved, if they've put their faith and trust in the, the finished work of the cross where Jesus died on the cross and he rose again the third day, he beat death, hell, in the grave, they repented of their sins, and they're saved, they're in the family of God, hey, they are a brother or sister in Christ. And so I believe this covers that broad spectrum. And listen, there are many, many, many ambulance chasers out there. Uh, lawyers looking to get some profit or get rich off of you. So there are plenty 
of them out there and they're just waiting if you look they'll they have billboards up and commercials up if you get in an auto accident call me people are just ready and waiting and willing to jump on that sue bandwagon and sue whoever they can for whatever they can but i just want to tell you as a brother or sister in christ we should not be looking to do that not even to the worldly people much less those that are within the body of christ amen so Paul says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? And verse 2, he says, do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Now stop and think about that. Do ye not know the saints? And if you're saved, you're saint, the saints shall judge the world why because christ is in us we will be there amen we will be there and he says if if we're going to judge such big things as the world aren't you worthy to judge these little small matters these little quarrels these little things that y'all can't get along or you didn't make a good decision or a good judgment or whatever the case is if you could if we're going to be judging those great big things hey these little trivial things shouldn't matter too much to us and so the scripture teaches that a believer will reign with christ over the earth when he returns in power and in glory and all the matters of the judgment are committed to them that why because they're committed to christ amen god gave that judgment to christ and we'll look more about that in just a minute so if Christians are going to judge the world, should they not be able to handle these, you know, little petty indifferences and that we have now? Absolutely, we should. We should not take a matter before a court. We shouldn't take our brother in Christ to court before the unjust people to make a judgment about two brothers or two sisters in Christ. Why? Because that's certainly not God honoring. How, how was that look if two Christians are in court fighting each other and they, they would say, even the worldly people say, well, wait a minute, both of you claim to be saved, both of you claim to be Christians, but yet you're both suing each other? Man, that just doesn't match up. You don't even believe what you say you believe. Why? Because the Bible says we are supposed to be forgiving. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And it may take you a long time to forgive some certain things. It may be a long, drawn-out process, but listen to me. You say, how do you do that? You just do it, one step at a time, one step at a time. You get up every morning, you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this, and I need your help, and I want to forgive. Do that every morning until, until it happens. So how do you do that? You just do it every day, every morning, every moment, if you have to. And so why would you take a matter that you have with the brother or sister in Christ before the world, before a judge who is not saved? Now listen, a judge deserves all the respect of that position because I know and I'm certain there are some saved, born-again judges out there. And even if they're not, we should give them all the respect due because of their position and their power and what they represent in the law. 
But the difference is, if you're a brother and sister in Christ, ultimately you are answering to God, not to them or to anybody else or to your spouse or to your brother or to your mom or dad. Ultimately, everything that you do, you are going to give an answer before God. He will judge you for it. And you say, wait a minute now. I've asked God for forgiveness for that. That's great, wonderful. Has God forgiven you? Absolutely, he's forgiven you. As far as the east is from the west. But the consequences are a whole different matter. The consequences will still be there. You know, the one that comes to my mind is, is David, is King David in the Bible. When he sinned and he had a, with Bathsheba and they, they had a baby together and for the rest of his life, David had all kind of problems. His own son, Absalom, rose up against him and it wanted to take him over, wanted him murdered, wanted to kill him, wanted to have his own father taken out. This is his own son. And so, and David had many other problems. So did God forgive him? Absolutely he did. Was there still consequences there? Yes. And so there are still going to be consequences, even though God has forgiven you. There's still going to be consequences in this world. But no matter what they are, we should not drag the matter before a judge and say, hey, my brother or sister in Christ has done me wrong. I feel it's wrong, and I want you to make it right. Well, Paul says, well, that's inconsistent with what you say you believe. Why don't you just forgive? Look with me now in verse number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now, that just blows your mind, doesn't it? Paul says, don't you know that we are going to judge angels? And that just, that's a mind blower right there. How in the world does somebody like us judge an angel? But the Bible says, know ye not that we shall judge angels. And Paul is reminding the Corinthians of that. And that is an astounding fact to me. But Paul interjects that here. He says, hey, we are going to judge angels. And what a tremendous fact he does that one day we will. And I do believe this is just Mike Sadler's personal uh, belief here, a reference. If you look at Jude chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, "...in the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation." He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness and at the judgment of the great day. So the angels I believe that he's talking about are fallen angels, if you want to call it that, fallen angels. But the Bible says angels that have not kept their first estate. In other words, the first thing God told them to do, the only thing God told them to do, they disobeyed God, and they will be judged according to the Bible. Listen to what Second Peter first two, or Second Peter two four says: For if God spared not the angels that sinned, so can an angel sin? According to the Bible, they can. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So the Bible says, Paul says, don't you know that we shall judge angels? And I believe that it's going to be the angels that kept not their first estate, the ones that fell from grace, the ones that sinned, according to the Bible. And that's just something to think about, isn't it? How can, a, how can an angel, such a majestic, powerful being that God created, sin? But the Bible says, 
For if God spared not the angels that sinned, an angel can sin in his heart. You see, if you're going to have true love, and that's what God wants from me and from you and from the angels, he wants true love. He wants you to love him and put him first. So if you're going to have true love, you've got to have choice. Don't you agree? If you're going to have true love, there must be a choice. God didn't create a robot that that's all you can do is love. No, you, there is a choice. And obviously, from what the Bible says, the angels also have a choice. And they, some of them have sinned and fell from heaven. But the Bible says, but cast them down to hell. And I believe that that's the angels that Paul is talking about here, that we will judge with Christ. We also know that Christ will be the judge from John chapter 5 and verse 22. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And we will be there in that day. According to Paul, know ye not that we shall judge angels that have done wrong, that have left their first estate? Wow, that is just astounding, isn't it? So how much more would God judge a sinner who's never repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible says that he's going to cast them angels that kept not their first estate, the angels that sinned, he's going to cast them down to hell and to chains of darkness. Oh man, that is horrible, isn't it? You see, there's something that's so amazing to me that even though the angels are a much higher being, the angels are much more powerful than we are much more majestic, much more powerful, and I'm sure much more wise than we would ever be until we're with Christ. But yet, but yet, Jesus and God did not make a way for those angels to be redeemed once they have sinned. They have no way of redemption like we do. God loved us enough to us enough that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be saved from hell so that we wouldn't be chained in darkness that we wouldn't be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing gnashing of teeth gnawing of tongue where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched god loved you enough to make a way for you to be saved that you do not have to go to that place called hell and isn't that an amazing fact that god didn't make a way for the angels they don't have a way of redemption but god loved us enough that he made a way he sent his own son to die on that cross that's how much god wants a relationship with you that's how much god wants fellowship with you so back to love in order to have true love you must have choice do you understand that that's why there was the the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the bible there was just one thing one thing that they weren't allowed to touch, that God said, don't touch that. That was the one thing that made it. They had a choice, a choice to sin or a choice to stay close and love God. Because without that, there wouldn't be a choice, would there? No. So that's just my personal belief, my own opinion, what I think it means that without a choice, there's not true love. And that's what God wants from me and you. He wants us to put him first on our heart and in our heart and in our lives amen in our mind and in our action and in everything we do each and every day you've got to choose to put god first and i believe that's why paul said i die daily he worked at it each and every day 
So going back to our lesson here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it talks about don't sue a brother in Christ. Don't take a brother or sister in Christ before a court or a worldly judge. And so the saints are forbidden to go to the law against another saint. Wow, that just, that just makes Christianity kind of look bad, doesn't it? People of the world would say, man, why in the world would two that claim they love each other and love God go at each other's throat by going to court? Paul says, hey, go to the, the, the leadership in your church and have that fixed, have that ironed out. Let them make a judgment. Amen. Look with me now in verse number four. He says, if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Let me read that again. If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, in this world, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Now we're all saved. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all saved and we're all born again. But we also know what Paul is talking about here. There are some that are more esteemed in the church than others. It may be a deacon, it may be the pastor, maybe the Sunday school teacher. Uh, it may be a, a senior saint in the church. And that's what I believe that he is referring to here when he says, says that for those who are least esteemed in the church. Amen. And so when we talk about judges, unsaved judges are really not given a place of honor or esteem by the local church or by God. And so God doesn't want you to take your matters in front of him. Of course, a regular judge, they should give, have all the respect in the world and you should show them all the respect in the world. But as far as church matters are concerned, they should not have jurisdiction. It should be the senior saints, the leadership, the pastor, or, or, or the deacons, or, or someone that's in leadership there making the decisions, taking your matter before them, and say, I need your help with this matter. Amen? And that's God's order. That's God's way. And you should first take it to the pastor. He is the God-ordained leader, the under-shepherd of the church. The Bible says that he's really there to watch for your soul, to watch after your soul. Now, that's something, isn't it? Somebody that's put in a place to watch over you and your families. So I want to read a, a quote to you that I read. And listen to this. It says, you don't need a cool pastor. You need a faithful one. You don't need one that's trendy or hip or culturally relative. That comes and goes. Youth ages, contemporary changes, popular passes. You need a shepherd to watch for your soul, to feed your family, to weep and rejoice with you. That's a true pastor. That is so true. You don't need somebody that's cool or hip because, man, that means nothing in a time of need or when you're down and out and hurt. You want somebody that's faithful, somebody that really loves you, somebody that's going to look after your soul, that wants the best for you. That's a real pastor right there. And that's who you should go to with the problems because he is the God-ordained leader. He's the under-shepherd of the church. And that is God's order. Amen? Look with me now verse number 5. Paul says, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. So Paul moves to a question here. He moves to shame. He says, is there not one that's wise among you? Not somebody that you can go to? 
somebody in your assembly that is boasted of wisdom and all the things that you say that you Corinthians have, that you boast of your wisdom and your riches and your gifts, and the members, is there not one of them that can handle a quarrel or settle a quarrel between the brethren that you can take this matter to instead of drugging, dragging it before a judge, before the law, to let somebody who is unrighteous make a decision for you all? Paul says that's to your shame. He says, I speak to your shame. That there's not is there not one among you that's wise? Do you not have some eldership, some leadership in the church that you can take this matter to? Paul says that's a shame. And I believe that would go for any church. That it would be a shame if there's not one wise man that you can take a matter to. Not one person in leadership that could handle that matter. Paul says, I speak to your shame. There's not one wise among you. Look in verse 6. But brother goeth to the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers? Apparently, not one was wise. There wasn't one wise enough available to make the judgment. Since a Christian brother was going to the law against his own brother in Christ, taking family matters before the unbelieving world to judge is a bad idea, and it's a bad thing and the first thing i can think of is money when somebody dies and isn't it something how sometimes people act the way you'd never thought they would act or maybe they act just the way you thought they would act but a lot of times that happens and somebody passes away and they had a substantial amount of material things land property money all the above or one of the above and i've seen it myself i've seen old brothers and sisters that are in the blood fight each other and go to court and and fight over it you say man that's that's horrible yes that's horrible how much more is it when you have a brother or sister in christ that are in the same church that are going to court because they're mad at each other because they both feel that i have to get my way i should get my amount what i think is fair not what they think Paul says in verse 7, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Paul says now there's a fault among you. There's a big problem. Because you go to law with one of your brothers, he says this, Why do ye not rather take wrong? You see, as Christians, we are, we are not meant to get even. Even Jesus, God said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, thus saith the Lord. Is that a hard statement? Well, it's easy to think about, boy, God's going to take care of that, but the, the hard part is giving it over to him and letting him take care of it. And you going on do what you're supposed to do, and that's forgive and move on and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and live a goodly, godly life. Amen? So Paul says, why, why don't you just rather take the wrong? Why don't, why don't you just suck it up, be a big Christian, and carry on with your life and your relationship with the Lord? He says, why don't you not just rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? They've wronged you, turned over to God, say, Lord, I'm going to let you handle it, but I'm going to forgive and I'm going to move on. If it costs me money, if it costs me something, if it costs me my pride, you don't need that pride anyways. It's going to get you nowhere. Paul said, why, not, why don't you just rather be defrauded? But he said in verse 8, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. But this was not the attitude among the Corinthians. Instead of being willing to accept wrong and be cheated, they're actually committing another wrong against 
brother or sister in Christ by taking before a worldly cord. Amen. So Paul says, hey, is there not one righteous among you? Is there not one wise man that you can take this to? And so we should be that good example before the world. To know that, hey, they're saved. They believe what they say. They have repented of their sins. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he beats death, sin, hell, and the grave, and he rose again the third day. And I ask you today, have you done that? Have you been born again? Have you repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.